So we're in Galatians. So Galatians is kind of the second half of the New Testament. And the way I remember this is God eats popcorn. So Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. So uh, yeah, I've got like two people laughing at that. That's all right. So I encourage you to go there. We have uh, we have been working through the book of Galatians all fall, and so we're kind of coming to the end. So we got this Sunday and next Sunday. And our desire, especially over the Christmas season, as we're weaving in these different Advent themes, is to try to weave in kind of where we're going here uh, with this uh, last few sermons in Galatians. And today, the theme is light, and the way we're weaving this in today is that Jesus said that one of the best ways, or maybe I would say better and best, the way that the world knows that he's for real is through our love for one another. So the way that we relate becomes kind of a light to the world. And that's where uh, Paul is kind of landing today. And so that's where we're, we're going after. I want to talk about what does it look like uh, for us to be a community that really loves one another. All right? So if you're able, I encourage you to stand with me in honor of reading God's word. So I want to read uh, just the two verses there at the end of Galatians 5 to kind of set up the context. Uh, Primarily today, just with all that's going on this morning, we're just looking at verses 1 through 2. And so, uh, yeah, I encourage you. All of this kind of fits. I'm just not going to be able to show you how it all fits just for time constraints. Uh, But I encourage you to kind of take a look at it throughout the week. And if you've got questions, send me an email. Love to talk to you about it. So starting in verse 25. So if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you won't be tempted. Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let each person examine his own work, and then he can take pride in himself alone and not compare himself with someone else. For each person will have to carry his own load. Let the one who has taught the word share all his good things with the teacher. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. God, what a, uh, what a beautiful uh, time of year uh, that... Sometimes we carry a lot of mixed emotions, a lot of joy, excitement, anticipation, and sometimes it can be a really hard, difficult year. And so wherever people are today, God, I pray that you would meet them by your spirit. And so, God, we need your help. We can't understand what's going on in this passage of Scripture without your spirit teaching us. And so, Lord, we invite him to come and speak to us this morning. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So here's what I... What I hope to do today, I'm kind of approaching this text with um, kind of two lenses, so to speak. So um, some of you are here because we are doing a Baptism Sunday. We have the joy of baptizing a couple seventh graders, uh, Caleb, uh, which we're really excited, Andy and Naomi's son, get to baptize him. And then we get to baptize my son, uh, my 12-year-old, Conlon Drury. And and if you're a parent here, uh, this is, um, yeah, this is what you, you pray for. When, you, when they're conceived, is that there'll be a day when they would stand before people and declare that Jesus is Lord. And so um, I made it through the 9 o'clock without crying. I'm not sure if I'll make it through 11 o'clock because he's here, you know what I'm saying? And so uh, I, I'm trying my best to do this uh, today without some emotions. But we love emotions here, amen? Um, and here I am, moving my hands around. So moving on. But uh, here, here's what I, what I, what I want to do. And, and, you know, maybe you'll call this a little self-serving, but 
I can do this because today I'm a pastor and I'm a dad who's baptizing his son. I, I, I have some, I think this passage helps us see um, some desires that I would want for Caleb and Conlon. And, and you know, if, if someone would have came up to me at the first this week and said, hey, what are your desires for these two young men and being baptized? I don't think I would have said these two things. But after reading the text and working through it this week, I, I actually think this is probably one of their greatest needs. It really is. And so I want to kind of use that lens, all right? I want to talk a little bit about that. And I'll come back at the end. As we work through this text, you're probably going to go, why would this be one of their greatest needs? I promise I'll come back at the end and and show why this is a great need for both of them. Uh, So that's one lens. The other lens that I want to look at this is I want us to see this as a, a desire that I have for us as a community here, as a people of God. And so we gotta we gotta remember kind of the context of what Paul is doing here. And so he's and he's worked through this beautiful way of us understanding this gospel of grace, this one way of love of God through his son, Jesus Christ, that when we put our faith and trust in him, man, we are free. We are set free. The pressure's off. We don't have to perform or make things all amazing and awesome and great. No, God, through his son, Jesus Christ, has performed for us. So when we receive this free love of God, it changes us. Things begin to happen in our own hearts and lives. And you'll see In this context, it begins to talk about the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God begins to dwell in us. And what happens primarily here is that it begins to change how we relate to one another. It's interesting. The reason why I read 25 is because he's saying, let's make sure we keep in step with the Spirit, walk by the Spirit. And then the very next verse, he dives in and doesn't really talk about, you know, these miraculous gifts that the Spirit can bring or talking about speaking in tongues, so to speak, or, or talking about, you know, your own gifting that the Spirit brings you. The evidence that you're walking by the Spirit is not seen in those elements, but is seen in how you relate to one another. That's what Paul's trying to lay down. That's the connections he's trying to make. So how do I know if I'm walking by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit? Well, take a look at your relationships. That's what Paul wants us to do here. And I think in this text, he gives us um, what I might call two marks of what a spirit-led church looks like. Or, or another way of putting this, he gives us two marks of what does it look like for the body to love one another. You remember in the context here, freedom is not the let it go song that's in Disney where you just do what you want, whenever you want, however you want, no rules, no, you know what I'm saying. So if you don't know that song, go, go listen to it. It's been around for a long time. That's not freedom, that's slavery. That's miserable. It doesn't work. Paul defines for us what freedom is. Freedom is serving one another through love. Freedom is serving one another out of the fullness that you have because you have God. And so that's what brings life. That's what brings flourishing. And so what Paul does for us here is shows us kind of what this looks like with kind of skin, like with, the, you know, with flesh on. What does it look like for us to serve one another through love? What does it look like to really love one another? And so... Paul gives us two marks here. So the first mark is this. We serve one another through love or we are a spirit-led community when we restore one another gently. Or another way of putting this, and I'm trying to stay with the H words, when we heal one another gently. So where do you get this idea of healing and restoring? Well, look at what Paul says here in verse 1. Brothers and sisters, so he's got a specific group in mind. You don't do this with everyone. Brothers and sisters are those people that 
have put their faith and trust in Christ, and they're a part of this new family that God is creating. And this is what we do with one another. This is not what we do with everyone. Just brothers and sisters. Look what he says here. If someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, or some of your translations may say sin. I like that translation a little bit more because that's exactly what Paul is saying here. So anyone is overtaken in any sin, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you won't be tempted. So notice what Paul is doing here. All Paul is doing is helping us understand what do I do when someone is in sin? How do I confront them? How do I approach them? How do I handle someone who is overtaken by a wrongdoing? So notice here, before we, before we dive into what he is saying, let's make sure we know what he's not saying, all right? He's not saying that we need to be a community that's on the sin hunt, right? It's like, we're going after sin. Who's sinning in this community? And that's, you know, that's not what he's after. He's not after us pouncing on someone when they sin. Like, sometimes you have a bad day, right? You do. You have a bad week sometimes. Sometimes you just kind of go through a rough time. And Paul's not necessarily saying that every time we see someone sin, we are to immediately pounce on them. I mean, Peter reminds us of this in 1 Peter 4, verse 8, when he says this, Above all, maintain constant love for one another, since what? Look at that. Love covers a multitude of sin. So the question is, is okay, then when do we cover and when do we confront? When do we cover with love someone's sin against us and when do we confront? Well, first of all, if you're a Christian here, you have the Holy Spirit in your life. And when you're sensitive to the Spirit of God, He'll lead you. He'll guide you. He'll give you some direction. The second thing we see in here, the way that Paul has written this, is that this is talking about someone that's in a sinful pattern where they've been overtaken by sin, where a a bad day turns into a bad month or a bad year, right? That's that's what he's talking about, this, this kind of sinful pattern. And when that happens, look what his instructions are. You who are spiritual, all right, so who's... Who's Paul talking about? Like, who is this? Is this kind of some kind of elite group of Christians that have some kind of lanyard? Hey, I'm the super spiritual man. I'm on the sin hunt, right? No, it's not. Okay, that wasn't funny. So um, didn't work in the nine. I thought maybe it might work in the 11, but obviously it fell flat. So if I ever redo the sermon again, I'll never use that again. All right, so, but here's what Paul is saying. He's not, he's not talking about some elite group of Christians. He's just talking about a normal Christian. You who are spiritual, he's meaning this. You who are Christians who are indwelt by the Spirit of God, That's you. You're the one who goes and confronts. You're the one who goes and restores. This isn't just set aside for leadership in the church. This is not just set aside for a group of pastors in the church. No, this is what we do as brothers and sisters in Christ. You have no idea how many times in eight years of being your pastor that I've had emails, texts, phone conversations, people coming up to me going, hey, Pastor Lyle, did you know that so-and-so is doing this? And I'll sit there and think, well, no, I don't, but you do, <laughs> right? And what's Paul's command here? You who are spiritual, go and restore. That's the next word there. This idea of restore means to set a broken bone in place. It also can mean to kind of mend fishing nets so that they do what they're supposed to do. And so, so the setting a bone in place carries this idea of healing. So you go and confront someone with the goal of bringing healing in their life. When you set a bone in place, man, it 
it hurts. I've never experienced that, thank God. But I've seen some people who've had their shoulders knocked out of place, and they've tried to put that back in place. And I've watched it and almost passed out seeing that. So, so yes, I mean, it's, it's hurtful, but the idea here, the goal here is not to perpetuate wounding. You don't go to this individual to humiliate them, to ridicule them, to shame them, to make them feel more horrible about themselves. Your desire here in your confrontation is that you want to bring healing. You want to restore them. And you do this with gentleness. And the way that you're gentle here is that you are aware that you could do the same thing. You following me? The way that you restore someone gently is when you realize if it wasn't for the grace of God, you would do the very same thing. Because if you come to them with this idea that way I'm way more mature and I would never do something like that, then it comes across really judgmental and self-righteous and you perpetuate wounding and it doesn't restore or bring healing. But when you really know that that could be me, you come with a gentle spirit and you want to restore, you want to bring healing. So what does it look like, Lyle, to be a spirit-led community? What is my desire for us? What does it really look like for us to love one another? Well, we restore one another. We bring healing to one another with gentleness. Now, there's a, there's a kind of an implied warning here, I would say, is this, is that we, we've got to be careful that we're not eager to confront nor afraid to confront, Right? I think, you know, we have a tendency to tend toward one extreme or the other depending on kind of how we're temperamentally wired, right? So we got to kind of be aware that there's, there's these extremes of eager to confront and there's the other extreme of being afraid to confront. And both of these rob the, the kind of the beauty of the church. Both of these extremes rob the power of the church and both of them rob this love that God is calling us into uh, to not be on display in a way that's enticing and attractive. And so some of you are here, and, 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 and I do love you, but some of you are here and you're hearing this and you're like, yeah, amen, Lyle. We need to confront more, right? You're eager. Like you've got a list for crying out like, yeah, I, I can come to you after service, Lyle, and give you some people we need to go and talk with. And so I thank God for you. I'm glad you're here, but my encouragement for you is to take heed. There's a warning there that your eagerness can, to confront can actually bring more wounding than healing. It can actually create a culture of fear and a culture of hiding and a culture of comparison, and that's not what we want here. But then there's the other extreme, which I think probably is where a lot of us are, if we're really honest, is that we're afraid to confront and some of that's, you know, related to temperamental wiring. Some of that's related to living in a culture that's all about the individual. And we use kind of these excuses of like, man, that's not my business. That's not, ah, I shouldn't, that, that's their stuff. I don't want to sound judgmental. And you've got to remind ourselves, like, this is not for everyone. You're not to do this with everybody. But you're to do this with those people that are part of God's family, with brothers and sisters in Christ. We have a responsibility to them. And this is not judgmental. This is what love is. It's loving for you to go to a brother in sin and say, look, man, this is not good. This is where it's going to lead. Let me help. It's loving for you to go to a sister and say, look, this is, this is not going to lead to where you want it. Let me, let me step in. Can I, can I help you? 
It's not judgmental and self-righteous. This is what it means to be loving. Brett McCracken, who's an author and writer, has a new little book out. And I don't know why I always say little. I mean, it's a book. It's, it's kind of small. I guess I like little books. I don't like big books, right? It's like, I'm going to read a book. It's got to be small. I want to get through it. Amen? Uh, but he's got a new book called um, Uncomfortable. I love that title. And this is the subtitle. I even love this even better. This should be bigger on the book. The Awkward and Essential Challenge of Christian Community. Amen, right? I just want to highlight awkward. Christian community is really awkward at times. Maybe it's just me that I feel awkward at times because the rest of you guys don't feel that. It's like no one's giving me an amen. Like, yeah, I'm with you. But here's, here's what he says here. It's a great little thought and related to this whole idea. This sort of love, this kind of restoring one another, confronting people in their sin, this sort of love is risky and uncomfortable to be sure, but it is necessary. To love someone as Christ's love is to meet them in their sin, but to not let them stay there. It is to walk with them in their battles and struggles, urging them onward, and they you, in the renovation of the heart. This will be messy and painful at times, requiring grace and sacrifice on all sides. But the more love takes on a cruciform shape, the more powerful it becomes. Look, guys, I've seen this done really poorly. And in 20 plus years of ministry, I've probably done it really poorly. And at the same time, I've seen this kind of restoration done really well and bring real healing in people's lives. Where broken families find restoration, where Broken marriages find restoration where broken lives find restoration. How? By a brother or a sister coming to a fellow brother or sister in sin and restoring, bringing healing, and doing this with gentleness. That's the first mark of a spirit-led church, and that's what I want for us. The second one here is in verse 2. And that is this, is that we are a people uh, who help one another. And I know help is kind of boring, all right? I get that word there. I couldn't think of a different word because I want to stay with the H's, all right? So, but here's um, what Paul gets after here in this idea of helping, all right? In verse 2, look what he says here. Carry one another's burdens. Carry one another's burdens. Shoulder one another's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, when Paul talks about burdens here, he's talking more, more generally. Some people argue that he's kind of talking about sin here. I don't think he is. I think he's just talking more, based on this word here, it's just more general burdens that we all deal with in living in a, in a, in a broken, fallen world with a broken, fallen body that's not moving upward but downward. Amen for those people that are a little older like me. So, so here's what he's talking about. He's talking about these different struggles and difficulties. They can be financial Sometimes finances can be a real burden. They can be emotional burdens, going through seasons of depression, anxiety, whatever that may be for you. It could be just a difficult season of life. Maybe you're just in a season of, of loneliness. Maybe you're a single mom or single dad here. That's a massive burden to deal with. Taking care of special needs children. They are a wonderful, beautiful gift from the Lord. But it's hard. It's difficult. And sometimes it can be a real burden. Caring for elderly parents who are in a stage of life where it's really difficult, caring for, you know, relational difficulties. All of these things 
are burdens that Paul is talking about. And here's, here's kind of the massive assumption. So the massive assumption in point one is that we're going to sin, right? It's like, hello, right? We're going to sin. Sin still remains. The flesh is still active. The massive assumption in this second point is this, is that we're going to all have burdens. Whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, you're going to have burdens in life. And some of those burdens are going to be really heavy and weighty, and we are not meant to carry those alone. We're not. Now, some of you may be saying, well, but Lyle, isn't it in the Bible somewhere where I think I remember something saying like, cast your burdens on the Lord and he will sustain you, right? Isn't that something I've heard? Yes, it is. Good job. It's Psalm 55, 22, where it says this, cast your burden on the Lord and what he, will, what he will do, he will sustain you. Jesus gives a similar invitation in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, where he says this, come to me, all you who are weary and what? And burdened, and I will give you rest. Yes, there's a responsibility, or not a responsibility, but an invitation that we have to cast our burdens on the Lord. But you've got to hear this. One of the means by which God uses to sustain us during a season of real difficulty or to bring that rest is when the body, brothers and sisters in Christ, take on part of that burden. That's how it happens. I know this may be kind of a a, a silly, goofy illustration, but... Just bear with me, all right? So, because I think this kind of gets to the point where Paul's trying to say here. Uh, this pulpit here, I don't know if you guys know this or not, and hopefully this won't offend you. If it does, please come back. Uh, this is made out of a bourbon barrel. Um, so, yeah, Kentucky, amen? So we, had a, uh, we had, a, had a member of our church that built this for all four of our locations. It's a, a beautiful piece of work that he did here. Awesome. And, and it's quite heavy, right? It's oak. It, it's heavy. And I, you know, I'm not real strong, right? But... I can carry this on my own, do it quite often. Uh, one time I tried to carry this on my own, almost put a hole in one of our sound panels there, and you guys may think that's not a big deal, but those little sound panels cost like quite a bit of money. It's like, boy, that would have not been good. And so I can, you know, I, there's been times I'm almost hit the piano trying to move this stinking thing, and it's just awkward. Like, there's no simple way of doing that. I can bear this burden of this pulpit. I can carry it. But if I had Eric come up here, he's on one side and I'm on one side, it's pretty easy. It's not heavy for me. It's not heavy for Eric. Why? Because we're both sharing the burden. Amen? So, yeah, thanks for staying with me on that illustration. But here's, here's Paul's point. Here's Paul's point. Yes, you may be able to carry that burden. Yes, you may be able to, to, to kind of handle that to some extent. But listen to me. God has put you in a family with other brothers and sisters who are called and empowered and invited by Jesus to carry it with you. You are not meant to carry it alone. Some of you might be sitting there going, hold on, Law. I think I remember you reading in verse 5 there about us carrying our own burdens. You guys remember that? Look at verse 5 real quick. Each person must carry his own load. That's what Paul says there. And in some of your translations, it says burden. So which one is it? Am I supposed to let you guys carry my burden, or am I supposed to carry the burden? Like, what it sounds like Paul speaking out of both sides of his mouth. But look, here's what's going on here. This word that Paul uses here for burden is, is more of a word that's used for backpack, right? It's like a little, you know, um, what's those little satchels that we, yeah, fanny pack. Yes, gotcha. Thank you very much. Those are 
those awkward little things that people wear at amusement parks. But, but that's kind of the picture here. Right? That's what he's kind of talking about, this little backpack that you carry on your own, as well as, if you'll notice, it's singular in verse 5, and what is it in verse 2? It's not a trick question. It's plural. Yeah, it's plural. And this is what Paul is after. He said, there are times when the accumulation of burdens crush us to the ground and we need help. And at the same time, the inevitable pressures of life are a burden, singular, and we need to learn to bear them because they are ours to bear. There's things that we've got to take responsibility for because they're our burden to bear. But then there's other times when the accumulation of burdens or even a burden, large one, sometimes can feel like an elephant is sitting on your chest. And in those times, you're not to carry that alone. A brother and a sister in Christ, this family, is to come alongside and take on a part of that burden. And when we do this, what did Paul say? You will fulfill the law of Christ. And what is the law of Christ? To love one another. So bearing one another's burdens is how we love a spirit-led church, a spirit-led community, a community that loves one another, bears, shoulders one another's burdens. As most of you know in this room, we had a, we had a little girl back in 2004, and I need to ask for forgiveness because I forgot to tell Kathy I was going to talk about this. I'm supposed to give her like a little heads up, so... Love you, honey. All right, so, so we had a little girl uh, in 2004. She was with us for five months. She uh, passed away of, of pneumonia. And sometimes when Kathy and I reflect upon this, and even, you know, even now, um, 14 years later, and I don't, mean, I don't say this just because I'm a pastor. I say this because I genuinely mean this. I have no idea how we would have gotten through those five months and the 14 years following if I didn't have a church family who bore this burden. That kind of burden crushes you. It can crush a marriage. It can crush a family. And they bore that with us. Not only through their prayers, they would come and give us food. They'd show up at the hospital. Kathy had to spend a lot of time uh, there uh, at the hospital. They'd come, show up, for just give her lunch. They would just be present with us. Um, we actually, this was probably not wise, but we actually moved during this season, and literally, guys, I'm serious, I did not lift one box. My church moved our entire home during this season. And I have no idea where we would be today if we didn't have a church that burden carried that burden with us. And even now, there's a, man, a precious lady. Her name's Margie. She's a special needs lady, and she works at the Kroger near where I live. And, and literally, if I go in there this week, like, she remembers every holiday. I mean, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. You can ask Kathy. Every holiday, if I go in there this week and she's working, she'll come up to you and say, hey, look, I know Christmas is getting ready to come. And she says in her own little sweet voice, um, and I'm, I'm praying for you and Kathy with the loss of your daughter, Kay. Every holiday, she'll do that. She remembers the day she was born, May 28th. And if I show up at Kroger and I'm around that time, she'll, she'll come up to me. I'm praying for you and Kathy, as you guys remember Kay when she was born. She remembers the day she died, October 31st. 
And she'll come up to us if we're in the Kroger then and say, hey, I'm remembering, I'm remembering praying for you guys. It's the loss of your daughter because I know she died on Halloween. Here's a lady who's carrying a burden for us. And honestly, I don't even know if she fully realizes how much she's really helping and carrying this with us. The reality is this, is that many of us in this room right here can, can speak of specific people in the context of this community who have carried burdens for you. Financial burdens. Some of you are adopted children here, and that's a massive financial burden. Have people come alongside and, and give and shoulder that with you? Some of you here had furnaces and air conditionings and vans blow up, and all of a sudden money shows up or Someone shows up to help, and they don't charge. Some of you tell of you know, times when this community's brought meals during difficult seasons of life. They just showed up and did that because they want to bear the burden with you. People have prayed for you, and I don't mean this in any kind of like, you know, you know this is the Christian thing, but literally people have prayed for you, and you felt them praying for you, and that's a way that we can really share and carry burdens for one another. Man, a lot of us in this room can come up here and give testimony of how this church has done what churches have done for me. Carried a burden that was absolutely crushing. And without them carrying that burden, I wouldn't be here today, nor would you. And at the same time, and I'm not trying to bring in like, I don't know, I usually use the language Debbie Downer. I'm not. I'm just trying to acknowledge both sides of this. At the same time, there are some of you in this church right now you have never experienced church like this. And actually, you've experienced the very opposite of that. That you had a burden, and you reached out, and no one came. That you had a need, and you reached out, and no one helped. And when that happens, guys, it, it is. It's, it's, it's hurtful. It's, it's hard. You become bitter. You get really disappointed. You get a little disillusioned. Like, this, this Jesus stuff must not be for real, because they're... His own people didn't love me well. A couple months ago, I was approached by an individual who came up to me and says, hey, um, Pastor Lau, I, I, haven't, I haven't been here in six weeks. And it's been one of the most difficult seasons in my life. And no one reached out to me. No one called me. No one said, hey, we miss you. What's going on? How can we help? And I wish I could say, man, your pastor's way along in spiritual formation to where my first response, like just internally, would be like, man, I'm so sorry that that happened. But my first response internally, I didn't say this out loud, but internally was I was wanting to defend. When he kind of pushed back, hey, are you serving? Are you in a community group? I mean, that's, that's what I wanted to do. But by God's grace, I try to respond with, with where I need to own stuff and apologize and say, man, I'm sorry that this community kind of let you down. And then I walked away from that trying to say, okay, God, what, what's the invitation for me and what's the invitation for our family? Because here's the, I mean, this is where it gets complicated. Like, I can stand up to, right here, today, I can stand up right now and say, hey, here's the family, here's the burden, go. 
like you guys would do it. You know, like a dog jumps on a bone, like just immediately, amen, right? You would. You'd open up your homes, your wallets, your lives. You would do it. But here's where it gets hard. It gets hard for me and it gets hard for this community. It's in the daily grind of life. And this is what Paul is emphasizing, that most burdens don't go shared. They actually go unshared. It's in the daily grind of life that most burdens go unshared. Why? Why is that, Lyle? Well, one reason is is sometimes you don't share your burden. And I'm not trying to be mean here at all, but but that's kind of on you. Like, we can't know when you're dealing with the burden. You, there's got to be a way that you step in and share what that burden is. And if you have trouble doing that, then my encouragement for you is to do that work. Be curious about that. Don't, don't, God's not putting shame and guilt on. Just be curious. Be open-handed. Why is it? Why is it hard for me to ask for help? And then the other side of that is this, is that sometimes we're just not eager to carry burdens that are really heavy that are going to be really costly. And I think it's a place for all of us in this room that call ourselves Christians and are part of this family that we can continue to grow in. Guys, look around. I know this because I hear this. You probably don't. But there's a lot of people in this room who are carrying some heavy burdens. And it's crushing them. And they need you, a brother or sister in Christ, to come alongside and carry it with them. So look, these, these two callings, these two things that God is laying before us here, Paul is, this idea of us coming alongside and restoring one another who are in sin with gentleness, and this other idea of us coming alongside and carrying burdens. Guys, look, this is hard work. This is really difficult. And the only way that this is possible, and, and I'm closing here, the only way that this is possible is not when you get out of here and go, I can do this. No, it's when you get out of here and you realize, wow, I can't do this, but Christ can do it in and through me. That the only way I can step in and be this kind of people is not by me looking to my own willpower, but by me gazing upon what Jesus has done for me. And by my gazing upon what Jesus has done for me, it empowers me to go and love one another. Because think about this. When we were wondering, what did Jesus do? He sought you out. And the spirit of gentleness, and he redeemed and rescued you. It's by his loving kindness that he led you to repentance. When you were suffocating under the weight of your own sin, what did Jesus do? He took on your burden upon himself on the cross. And it's by us thinking and gazing and reminding ourselves of this work that the Spirit of God does in us so that we can move outward and have a posture of love toward one another. I love how Paul sums this up in Romans 15. Look what he says. Now we who are strong have an obligation to bear the weakness of those without strength and not to please ourselves. Each one of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to build them up for, just stop right there. It doesn't say for, this is what good Christians do. For, man, buck up, make this happen by your own willpower. No, it says for even Christ. So I don't focus on my lack. I focus on what Christ has fully done. And by my attention going to him empowers me to love the way that Paul has laid out for us to love here. For even Christ did not please himself. On the contrary, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you 
have fallen on me. We can be this kind of church, not because of us, but because of the work of Jesus Christ. So why are these the needs, I would say, for these two young men? Why do I say that these are the two things I I most want to pray for them and ask our family to pray for? Well, here's why. One is that they're going to sin. They are, just like all of us. We're not a Christian because we're promising not to sin anymore. We're a Christian because we put our trust in the one who forgave all of our sin through Jesus Christ. That's it. And what they need, what Conlon and Caleb need, and what I'm praying for is that when they do, when they might be in a season where they're kind of sinning or you know, kind of lost a little bit, that they have a church, that they have brothers and sisters in Christ who will come alongside them and restore with gentleness and bring healing in their life. Why do I think this is what I want for them? Well, there's going to be burdens to bear, right? I mean, even as a 12-year-old, you got some burdens. you got puberty, amen, right? Aren't you so glad, men, we're out of puberty, right? That's such a hard burden. I'm mean, serious, I'm not being, you got like the whole relationship stuff, you know, girls, broken hearts, all this kind of, those are real burdens you got to bear, but they're also, look, and I don't want to be Debbie Downer here, Caleb and Colin, but there are burdens that are coming that you have no idea about. And they will feel weighty. And my prayer for you is that you'll be a part of a family, a church, that'll come alongside you and bear these burdens with you. Let's pray together.